Welcome back, my Couch Potato Ninja crew. I am here, we are here with another magical hour or so of Kung Fu, Gun Fu, Ju, Judo, Gi, Suju action. With us tonight, again, I am your host, Michael Huntone. And with me, as always, are my uh, esteemed Couch Potato Ninja crew here. I've got the genius, Jason Bills. Uh, just to let you three know, I'm, I'm here for you and not the Pope. Just not here for the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, all right, we got that one out. Now, the uh, also with me is the illustrious professor and Italian, so I, I don't know where he's going to land on the Pope here. The <laughs> great walking weapon, Dr. Dominic DeMore. I was worried you were going to get anti-Semitic because you're like, potato, Jew, 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 Jew. I'm like, like where's he going with this? Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting worried. I mean, maybe if this movie did have more to do with the Catholic Church. Oh, <laughs> but even though the movie that we are about to get into is mostly set in Rome, we tonight are set, uh, some of us, once again in the wonderful, beautiful, illustrious Food About Town Studios. And we are studio. There's just one, <laughs> but it's so spacious. <laughs> Here it feels like there's many. Uh, and with me here with us once again is our friend, Chris Lindstrom. Hello, gentlemen. It is a beautiful night in Rochester, and we're here to talk about one of my favorite movie series once again, and a real banger from start to finish. Oh, yeah. And that banger we are talking about is, again, continuing on in the world of John Wick. We are here for not John Wick 2, John Wick Chapter two. I didn't remember that it was listed that way. It's yeah, it's chat because uh, I think it was Callstad, the writer, had said that uh, they wanted this to feel like you were on the this whole series is the story of John Wick, and each is a chapter into his character, hmm. a chapter that we'll dive into. But I think a good intro for our chapter is, of course, you know, talking about the Catholic Church before. Right? Maybe this will be a theme tonight. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll we'll start with a little gospel, uh, but that gospel we, we is got the gospel. We got We got the Pope. We're, we're it, just we're it's just all there. It, with this. It's all there. Yeah. So let's start off. Next, with we a little just gospel. need the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> What's that from? Monty Python. <laughs> okay, there it is. Yeah, I knew it was something. Sorry. The, oh my god. Okay, so the G, you're, you're, you've now been dem, devote, demoted from genius to savant. Okay, that's where you <laughs> nope, said. Okay. You were right when you said devoted. I am devoted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it away, genius. Prove us your geniusness. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, you know, give you guys a little background on Keanu Reeves. Also, some praise. Um, because he is the, you know, he is John Wick. Uh, we've been with Keanu since like the 80s. I can't think of a, I honestly can't think of an actor with this type of longevity. Like, you know, he's had some backlash in the 90s and stuff like that in terms of his acting skills. If we're looking at like his accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula or him trying to do like a Shakespeare adaptation. But 
the man has just been like every time you count him out he just comes back with another character another movies like franchise like he just cannot be stopped so I just want to give you some Keanu background um, to kind of set the stage in terms of just praising John Wick. We need to also praise Keanu Reeves. So he was born in 1964. The man is now 58 years old, which I blows my mind because I, you know, I remember at sleepovers, I'd be watching Bill and Ted with my friends. Um, so he's just kind of been with us since the 80s. That's five decades of giving us iconic characters. We've got, obviously, Bill and Ted. The first movie came out in 89, so that counts for the 80s. The 90s, we get Johnny Utah with Point Break. Um, I don't. He doesn't have a super memorable character name in Speed, like Johnny Utah in Point Break, but um, I think his name's like Jake. Oh, it's John, I think random. it's John Speed. Okay, let's go with that. That's amazing. I love that. His name is John Speed forever now. Yeah. And obviously, Neo made a huge impact uh, with the Matrix series and, and now John Wick. So um, I, I think we need to just praise his, his longevity. I can't think of another like action movie star. And I think that's what we need to call him because, you know, obviously he, he's an actor, but, you know, some actors, you know, physical prowess isn't you know, their, their gift, they're, you know, more maybe like dramatic or dialogue. Like it, you know, it's, it's all about Reeves physicality. And I, I think whenever he goes to the action genre, it, it just makes a huge difference. And, and I mean, how can you, how can you dispute it when now that we have four installments of, of John Wick? Um, but I was just trying to like quickly think of other actors that had this type of longevity, even in the action genre, if we're talking about like, um, you know, think about like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, who were huge for a couple decades in the 80s and, and 90s. They'd have to have like then another iconic character at the end of the 90s. That didn't happen. Like they, they you know, obviously like Stallone would turn it, return to um, Rocky and stuff like that eventually right. with Creed. But, but even but, then, like, yeah, think about think about if Expendables was as good as John Wick. That's that's the kind of that career that we're talking about, like. Like if Expendables was as amazing as this, instead of just a pile of garbage, <laughs> right? Oh rough. man, I watched that. Oh, did I hate that movie? Um, Expendables is rough. Expendables um, two though has some merits. But yeah, but the, but that's what we're talking about. Is like like after all that time, still killing it at this level yep. is wild. Yeah. Yep. It's well, unbelievable. And help well, Bruce I, Willis, can I, too. Can I cut in about your gospel? Because yes. I'm going to yes, bring you back to another gospel. You remember the gospel of Geeth and you did for Ninja Turtles, where you no. talked about how every genre eventually turns into a, um, a farce. Yes, yes. Or a mockery of itself. Uh-huh. I find that most action stars go in that direction. Eventually... What you get your last action hero type thing. Is you start, yeah. Arnold actually huh. did it real early. I thought he yes. did it way before necessary because, like, right, in right. last action hero, he was still a beast, mm-hmm. you know. But he, mm-hmm. uh, Kindergarten Cop, honestly, Kindergarten Cop is where it started. And that's a great Quiet. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Exactly. But Keanu Reeves. Stop whining. <laughs> I'll do it now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm here. Kill me. I'm here. Shut up! <laughs> Not that I have a whole board built on that movie. Oh, oh, that's great. great. You fall behind, John Yo. Okay. I don't want to admit anyway, as a I can talk about Predator from anyway, like but... Yeah. but go ahead. But you're Tom. right. You're right about about John Wick how and Keanu how he's never really become he's never really had to resort to mocking himself in order to stay relevant. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like most of these characters have either done the whole, let's do a another sequel 20 years later because, you know, now the people that watch my movies as a kid are now adults and have money. Mm-hmm. I'm still on. Or Arnold, who's like, you know, I'm I'm a big meathead who can, you know, looks like I can rip your head off. But also my accent's kind of funny. So I'm going to go with the, you know, I'm going to go with the latter, yeah. you know. Um, and so... Or you'd have, like, guys that take super serious roles. Like, I think, um, let's take Mel Gibson, for example. He was in a lot of action roles, and then mm-hmm. I think he tried to weasel his way into drama. And I don't really think of him as an action star. So he, also did some, he also did some really weird documentary work that was recorded over voicemail. And just, I, <laughs> yeah, speaking of anti-Semitic. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure he should you have know. gone that way. But speak, I mean, actually, he's in the he's in the upcoming TV show, The Continental. Isn't that weird? Oh, when I saw right. him in the trailer, I was I was a little upset. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm thrilled yeah. about that. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think going back to to Jay's point, like part of part of what the fascinating thing is here is, um, it's it's I think because Keanu himself is such a he just seems like he's a genuine person in many ways, mm-hmm. and it seems like like there's almost no negative stories about people interacting with him in the world, and he just mm-hmm. loves he it just seems like he really loves doing what he's doing, yep, yeah, yep. absolutely, yeah, agreed, agreed he he seems like a real one, and mm-hmm. uh yeah he's. Is the man excellent? Uh, Jay, didn't want to cut you. Is there more? Uh... No, that was that was perfect. I, I will just awesome. quickly finish up by by saying, um, so like after the, you know he became Neo and all the the Matrix uh, tr- trilogy at the time, he's also kind of returned to his kind of like eighties franchises, obviously with uh, the Bill and Ted third installment, which actually I really liked, um, oh, and nice. then the the Matrix. Uh, the new Matrix, which I hear has its fans, and maybe I'll get there someday. But he also is looking forward to, like, in his career, he's looking at different stuff. And uh, obviously John Wick's that. But a movie he directed I, I was early 2010s. It's called Man of Tai Chi. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, like, I, I that's sort of when I was like, maybe Keanu wasn't done. Because obviously in the 2000s, he was he's just trying like trying out different stuff, like 47 Ronin. You know, a lot of right. this stuff wasn't working. John but, Constantine? Like, <laughs> Uh, speaking of Stallone, my favorite expression from uh, the Rocky trilogy is, "I got some stuff in the basement still." So I I felt that way about Keanu with Manatee because he played the villain in that, and he was like yeah. hamming it up in it, almost in like a Lawrence Fishburne way. And obviously, the direction and the the uh, action choreography was just terrific. It's a smaller film, but that sort of was like, well, oh, man, I, I kind of miss Keanu. So that happened, and then shortly after that, John Wick happened. So yep. I'm I'm just excited he's he's still here, giving us new iconic characters and. Uh, I'm excited to talk about John Wick 2 tonight with you guys. Yes. yes. So cool. Or chapter get, 2. Yeah. Get so much. And I Man of Tai Chi is definitely a movie we could cover on Punches we and should. Popcorn at some time. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, Keanu also directs. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's talk about the movie we're going to dive into tonight, to tonight, and that is John Wick Chapter 2. Uh, so mm-hmm. as always, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on... So we talked about John Wick. Of course, it's a... I think it's no overestimation to call it a legendary film and an instant classic. Uh, And then they dived into the sequels. So, uh, you know, everything was kind of ramped up here a little more. You know, now it wasn't, we talked about it's wild thinking about it, but the original John Wick was an independent film, was shot on a comparatively small budget for the film that it was. And once, you know, it took, I caught fire and did all, you know, 
did a bunch of money. Actually, I think it did more at home than I think it was a slow burn. Like it wasn't a big, yeah. like we have to see this in the theater. There was buzz. And then once it came out on, uh, you know, DVD and all that, then that's when it really caught fire. So either way, uh, by the time John Wick 2 came along, the studios were now fully on board. The pocketbook was opened up more, so we get a bigger movie. Uh, you know, will it fail? So I'm uh, very interested, kind of before we dive into this movie and your guys just uh, kind of your initial thoughts or your about this movie or your reaction when you first saw it, anything like that. So um, whoever's got the most burning desire to shoot this in the face oh chris oh man i i I always i always have stuff because this is you know when when we talk about sequels there's so many different ways of doing it like uh like when we return when we return to star wars right you know in the new series when they did the first movie man they just copied right they copied you know the first movie and they easily could have gone into playing all the beats from the first movie here I do like that you know, we got some of those nods, we got some of those echoes of the first movie without this becoming a repeat of the first movie. So many sequels are just straight repeats. This carries some of those notes, and the callbacks are really there. But man, when you're talking about bigger, this is a beautifully, this is a beautiful movie. I don't think it's the most beautiful John Wick movie. I think that clearly goes to the to the newest edition. Oh, but gotta I got to say this is a beautiful movie and everything about it like you know the comedy stuff is ramped up but it's never too much. It's part of the environment. Everything is tight and man all the acting, all the characters are just fully formed all the way through and I got to say uh, this is, ooh, I think it's my third favorite of the movies, but that's really? no shade to, no shade to the fact that this is a tremendous, tremendous movie from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When it comes to pacing, this is just, oh, just straight fire all the way through. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Agreed. Agreed. What are you thinking, Dom? So I feel this this movie. So uh, these are all rewatches. I've rewatched these movies recently, so I could go through the the moves and a lot of the stuff. And what I've noticed is the first time I watched it, I felt like, oh, you know, this is just, you know, a continuation of the first movie. It feels great, all those good things. But after watching it a second time, I find this movie to be very different from the first mm-hmm. one. Very, very different. Um, oh, yeah. And in the way that it's different, I don't want to say pros and cons because that's not really accurate. But what it is is some stuff has gone up and some stuff has gone down. So the first movie felt very intimate in that the revenge thing was very much like, like I said, you know, you you sympathized with this character so much that you didn't even think about if it's worth killing all these, if a dog is worth killing all these people. You're like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And you just felt that visceral feeling. This movie is less of a straight up revenge and a bit more has a, has a bit more of a survival aspect to it mm-hmm. because he's like, I don't want to do this. And then he gets his house blown up. And he's like, ah, okay, I guess I got to do it. And he didn't really seem <laughs> as torn up about the house. The dog lived. Oh, by the way, I'm bringing that up. When the house blows up, how many of you thought the dog died too? 
I think the first <laughs> yeah. time the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh no, we're not doing that again." Yeah, no. exactly. And you see the dog, and you're like, "Okay." And yeah, so, and, 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 and like you said, it's not a retread, so right. that revenge angle is a bit less. And this is more of a survival. Yes, he gets revenge in the end, but it's less of a, he's like, you know, it's either him or me at this point, you know, because the, the bad, what's the bad guy's name? The Italian guy? Santino D'Antonio. So D'Antonio is like, they both can't survive. One of them has to go. And John Wick's like, okay, I got to kill everyone and get to this guy. So it felt like the, the, Oh, that's what I'm looking for. The intimacy and the intensity of the character was a bit less, and it felt more like, okay, got to survive. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. But the set pieces, I didn't think you could get better set pieces than the first movie, oh, and yeah. and they did it. Okay. Did it. So, yeah. like, how do you outdo New York City? Rome. Fair. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, the violence is just way, way, like, the body count must Beautiful. be, like, quadruple what but, it is in the first one. But it's I will nuts. say, so something about this that stood out to me, the violence is different in this. It is not as brutal as, like, there is not as many. So we talked about with the first one, a lot of the action is, like, the quick, it's this quick close quarter combat, uh, you know, gun battles where it's, like, quick move, shoot to the face, shoot to the face, shoot to the face. Like, there's a lot more people getting shot point blank in the face in the first one than in this. Like, there's a lot more... Uh, hand hand. There's a lot more jujitsu and judo, which I'm sure we'll talk about. We well, get into. I, I like, like the, it's not I'd the like same. The com- I'd like to comment on that actually for my next part. Um, the violence is cooler in this, but mm-hmm. I feel I need to suspend my disbelief a little bit more. Yeah, because he's got SWAT teams coming after him. You tell me, not one of them is going to hit him in the head. Like the pro- he gets a little more superhuman, but it's an action movie, so it's fine. It's right. just that's a different kind of action movie. I feel like right. the first one made its billing on this is how you do it in real life if you're right. this good. Right. This movie, I felt a little more like it was a video game, which is okay because you can't do what they did in this movie if you don't do that. So I'm not saying it's one is better than the other. I'm just saying it's the scale changes the way that I was involved in the movie. In the first one, I felt very, very close to it. And this one, I felt like it was more grandiose. So yeah. this is a good thing because, like you said, you don't want to retread. And I don't feel like we got a retread. We got different flavors of action movies. And it didn't go, it wasn't totally over the top. He never like did a backflip and, you know, pulled the sword out of his ass and cut someone's head off and crazy <laughs> like that. That actually sounds awesome. But, but, oh, you haven't seen the third but one yeah, yet. But yes, them. it wasn't, the, the, the fighting was, there were moments, I, like I remember in watching this movie, there were moments where I'm like, he pauses and I'm like, he never paused in the first movie. Yeah, he never paused. Like yep. he's either getting cocky, which he might have been, or he's just, or doesn't care, which is also possible. Or they're like they're going into kung fu land where they're trying to make it a little more dramatic. But it was never too much. It's just it created a different feel. It was a bit more whimsical. Yeah, which, like I said, not a bad thing. More of a swashbuckling kind of thing, in my opinion. I'll be really excited to hear when you dive into the third and fourth you know, where you end up on those because, you know, you'll, you'll definitely echo some of those things as we proceed, but man, the scale is just, is just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay, Jay, where did you end up on this? Well, so I think like, obviously in the first movie, there's definitely like graphic novel, comic book influences to me that this sequel almost takes it to like a, 
obviously that still and and dom you mentioned video games i get that vibe too but almost a science fiction level though the mm. world building is is so blown out and like as you mentioned mike the budget so they they could do this you know we're going to rome we're like jet setting john wick which is fantastic but the stuff they're introducing like bulletproof suits like this the gun sommelier like all that oh, stuff oh, is it's so it, good first yes. of all it's, it's freaking oh, yeah. wonderful uh but it's just like it, it just I, I love it i love everything about it and and what i like about these john wick movies too is you know if we're talking about like mission impossible or james bond there's like a a, a big bad who's introduced and they're going to take over the world or there's going to be a chemical agent that they're going to release and and this it, it is still kind of personal because obviously john wick well, actually i'm, I'm going to backtrack later so the beginning of the movie um is almost like the first 10 minutes is almost like closure on the first movie where he's you know getting his car back and also getting the letter uh, or the greeting card back from his wife fan, so straight the, fan we, service Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so we're almost like that could have just been a short film, like sequel, like we're we're done and John Wick's going to just hang out in his house with his new dog. Um, but then the marker is called in and we have uh, that D'Antonio fellow. Like, I think he we have to thank him that we get a John Wick, too, because he is definitely the, uh, you know, the, the instigator for this sequel. And I, I just kind of love that. And what's nice about it, too, is because we get all the exposition in the beginning of the movie. Like, oh, this is what he's doing. He's calling in the marker. This was going to happen. So there's no like villain speech at the end that like slows everything down. And there's a 15 minute like exposition. This is why I'm doing this. Like, it's just, no, we, we already did that in the first act. Now we can just have, you know, 80 minutes of, of insane action. So that's kind of, it's just such a refreshing thing in, in a, in a movie series. Cause it's never about like, okay, we're just introducing a villain. So this can happen. We, we need to make a movie. This feels very personal. And I, I, I adore it. Yeah. I really like the sequel. So before before we dive into like the actual process, I do want to throw out that so, you know, obviously no spoilers going into the last two movies. Um, you know, three going into three and four. But I think this is where, you know, we proceed from the revenge thing into you know, we're we're getting into the question of how how do you, you know, you know, the discussion of, you know, can you get out? Right. And that's that becomes it's actually the fundamental part of this movie that echoes through, you know, echoes into the next movie because, you know, the way this one proceeds through. So that's going to echo as we talk through this movie. But I mean, how excited was everybody when Peter Stormare was on <laughs> was showed up on the screen? We get the legend yeah. of Fargo, the legend, you know. He believes in nothing. He, yeah. you know, he, what, a, what an amazing thing to see Peter Stormare pop on the screen as yeah. Vigo's brother in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it, it's just, that was great. And to have that guy show up was just, what a delight. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you because know, he's of the, the humor. Qu- yeah. He's the quintessential Russian, even though he's not Russian. I feel like, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Every, no, I feel like yeah. every time we need a Russian, who are we going to get? We'll get that guy. Where's he right. from? Sweden. Right. Like, yeah. Is he from Sweden or like Finland or something? something he's like, like that. Yeah. He's not Russian. He's right. like, no. Go to <laughs> Except house. in that show, <laughs> oh, uh, not J- Prison Break, he plays an Italian guy and that's not his best role. Yeah. But everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it was interesting. I th- had mentioned before I read a book, which I'd highly recommend anyone else that loves John Wick. It's called They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog by Edward Gross and Mark Altman. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, 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 like, oh, I can't think of what the, the, it, so it goes through like all, at least the first three John Wick movies with lots of comments from the back, from the directors, producers, everybody involved, et cetera. And they talked about going into the second movie 
uh, there was a question that a couple of you brought up before, like, uh, they kind of asked themselves, they knew, like, right away once John Wick caught fire and the studio said, yep, we're doing a second one, uh, you know, Chad uh, Stahelski and uh, Derek, Derek Lettich, or no, David Colstad. Lettich. Uh, oh, Colstad is, the, is yeah. the writer, right? Yeah. But uh, the two directors from the first one were kind of like, well, uh, shit, <laughs> we already, we took care of the dog, like, so they was kind of the question, can we have a franchise without a dog? Like, do we just kill a dog every movie? And it was kind of a <laughs> question going in, as we talked about, like, that was really part of the dog and his wife connection. Well, that held us in the first movie. But if you're going to have a franchise, like, can you hold on to a whole franchise there? And, Chris, I love some of the points you brought up about, well, what else do we see? And I think that's something that is, I, I'm interested as we get talking about the movie, like, all right, well, this go and we've talked about this goes in different directions. Do we think, like, were they successful in pulling this off? Because you could just say it could have been, you talked about blowing up the house and did the dog, that could have been it. Oh, second dog died. Here we go again. Um, you know, but they didn't. Uh, interesting, just side comment I want to point out. One of the concepts they had originally for this was that John Wick 2 would actually be a surprise prequel, but they would shoot it in a way that you would not know until the third act that it was a prequel and it kind of oh. it kind of reminded me of if anybody's watched the excellent show on Peacock Poker Face some of the episodes are like that where you don't know where uh the, your main character fits into this until like halfway through the episode then you're like wow. oh i didn't realize like two of these scenes were actually prequels to something it's etc i don't think i, I would have hated that i think that would have been an interesting twist i probably would have shaken my head at it like really you had to do this to make this interesting Th this right. is what you had to do i mean we we rolled into like you know from from all the car you know the initial car scenes in this yeah right into deepening the story yep. and i think they traded off like gimmick into world building. Like yep. we, we already started yeah. touching on the world building uh, in the first movie, but this movie was, you know, I think the perfect amount of world building plus from the first one where everything you got just got you excited about learning more about the world. Yep. And I think that's one of the things this movie did so excellently. And it started with, you know, when Santino comes to his house and brings the marker. Yeah. So, you know, for everybody who's watched this, I mean, this is now, it's building on the coins, right? Now you're into markers. And that how he got out in the first one, tying to his impossible task, was the marker from Santino. So, mm -hmm. you know, the that whole thing, now you've got the markers. And if you don't follow the marker, you know, he can blow up your house. Nobody will do anything about it. Right. And that if you don't follow the marker... You know, the high table. Now we introduce the high table. The high table will kill you. The Continental yep. will kill you. Yes. And, like, now we've, we've established, hey, these rules, every rule is serious. Yep. Yep. And, man, that marker is so cool. And then, yes. man, it rolls, goes right to Rome from there. Right, right. Well, that's, yeah. I think, Chris, and that... the world, well, I was going to say, in the world building thing, I, I agree that the world building is done well. Because I feel like, and, and this is actually a criticism I have of modern franchise movies is they focus too much on the world building because the fan base wants answers. So they make a movie built entirely around world building and the characters suck. We talked about the new Star Wars series. I thought that series was not good. We'll just say that because it was so obsessed with world building and creating all in like just 
starts fleshing out the universe that I didn't give a crap about any of the characters. John Wick, though, the world building is done to enhance the characters. It's like a little spice on an already good meal. Yep. So like, I, I think that I, I love the world building in this movie because it is not a Wikipedia page of the history of the uh, Society of Assassins here. It's just enough to be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. I want to know more. But it's not like I want to stop the movie and look up more. It's still yeah. you're st- you still care about the characters. Yeah, and it's it's never like also explaining it to us. It's it's happening in the world. We're ca- we're catch we're always catching up with the movie and everything they're introducing, which is super fresh because we're not getting like a lesson. We're we're trying right. to keep up with the movie versus like it them spoon feeding us what a marker is. It's just like oh, this is already happening. Like it's it's just so well done. I think that's... I think they respect the audience for that. Yeah, yeah I exactly. Think more... right. So like. Like, I think I mentioned this last time, but I'm watching The Wire, and Wire was, back in its day, was criticized by people that it's hard to follow. But keep in mind, The Wire is like 20 years old. (laughs) Now, most good shows take Mm -hmm. that approach where, like, try to keep up, you know? And I respect that because I'm like, I can follow this, you know? And if I don't get something, I trust that I'll eventually figure it out or they'll eventually give it to me. They don't have to pause and be like, okay, this is what this means right you know or to quote south park this is the part in the movie where the old guy explains what's going on <laughs> like they don't need that right mm-hmm. well it it's yeah. interesting uh derek colstead who we talked about before is the writer for this um at least the first two i think well we'll talk when we get into the other movies yeah i can't remember if he did all i of think them, so but, yeah uh he talked about one of the big influences for this movie the other movies was ronin and he talked about, like, in Ronin that he said, oh, this is how he thought they did a good job in Ronin of giving you an idea of this larger world without spelling it out. And he mentioned there's, like, this throwaway line in the movie uh, where the character Harry says, do I know you by way of the German? And they said, like, they never explain who the German is or what it the German is, but it just gives you this peek into, like, oh, there's this. And, and we got it in the first movie a little bit with the currency of the coins the continental and some of the basic rules that, you know, really the continental, they just spell out like you are safe here. And then you see the penalty if you disobey those rules, but that's really it. And so it's interesting with this one that they jump into and give us more, but again, still maintain that another movie you mentioned is like Miller's crossing, which a very different movie, but also like, you know, it gives you this idea where it's placed in this larger world, but that, you know, my beloved Cohen's, uh, you know, they yes. don't spell out the entire, like, criminal structure here, but give yeah. you just enough that you can follow this, and it feels like it's part of something real. Yeah. I th- and then the Peter Stormare connection with the Coen's team. Absolutely. Yep. There you go. No, I I think, you know, I think we we should do, Mike, I, I think we should take just a brief break. Yeah. And then we're going to dive into, then we'll talk, we'll go right into, you know, the transition to Rome and, you know, finish out the rest of the movie. But I think let's let's take a quick break, and then let's okay. go back. All right. Sounds good. All right, welcome back. Well, guys, let's jump into this movie, and we kind of already started to a little bit. So we mentioned uh, this movie kicks off almost immediately after the first movie, and we get the one kind of loose thread that was left at the end of the first movie that I know we mentioned in that last episode. He, you know, gets revenge for his dog, but he doesn't get his car back. Well, the movie starts with him getting his car back, and we get this, you know, that's pretty quick. We talked about... Uh, Peter Stormare and that wonderful cameo. Uh, we even get, we mentioned some of the callbacks to the original movie. We got that moment where uh, 
as a storm air and his assistant, they're like, what did he do? My, you know, my brother killed my nephew killed his dog. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like that. The great callback to the first one. Fantastic. You know, and then he, he gets his car back. Um, not in the greatest shape. We get another appearance by John Leguizamo's wonderful character. Aurelio's back. Aurelio, yes, yes wonderful. Yeah. A full 45 and, uh, seconds. Right. What, what a delight. You know, but he gets the, I can fix this. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and like then it looks like his, his life is all put back together. Reburies his cachet of gold and guns and... Happy times to the dog. The cement isn't even dry when his <laughs> yeah. house gets blown up. So like, I, well, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to the car scene. Okay, yeah. Okay. Question, question. I want so so the, so first first things first. Why didn't everyone just leave the building? Like, well, they knew I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious, and I don't mean it from like a, it was an awesome scene. I'm not criticizing it, but there's a point where he's sitting. You know where 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 he's sitting in his office and he's like, he's coming for his car. I'm like, go home, leave the door unlocked, go home. So many people died. Like if I was one of those henchmen, I'd be like, it, 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 it it's over there. Right, right, right. Ta- it's the yeah. car. No, just take the car. I would just too. take the car. Right. Just take right. it. It's just Here the, are car. the keys. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, it. it's Cover like, uh, yeah. like, like that is one, that's, that's just one thing. The rest of the movie, the rest of the movie, he is being pursued. But right. in this part, he's the pursuer. So yes. after the whole first movie where everyone, it's an entire bloodbath and he comes out alive. Like, I would have been like, all right, well, you know what? I'm not going to make the same mistake my brother made. I would have walked downstairs and like, here's the key. I'm sorry you were inconvenienced. I hope you have a nice day. Bye-bye. Yeah. Don't kill <laughs> right, me. Like, right, right, right. like, what the heck? <laughs> right. Yeah. And the director said that this is five days from where this movie picks up is five days from the end of the first movie, giving him time to like convalesce a little and, and uh, you know, come come back around. Obviously, he'll's like Wolverine, but that's of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I think we can accept that. You know, right. it, oh, let's yeah. let let's. It's it was a very long weekend. Great <laughs> great resting. Right, right. Now, do you do you guys know of any other movies where a car is used as a weapon? Like I know we always talk about gun fu, but it, it feels like car John Wick's inventing car fu, like. Well, Mad just... Max movies do a lot. Okay, like, that that's a there's, good call. I'm just to think, but not much else. There's very few fires on his cars, and very few people playing guitars on them. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. No, it I takes just takes it down just, a peg because of that. Yeah. <laughs> true. Uh, yes. I'm making a Need note to, to myself, Jay Carfu. Yeah, we'll we'll, it, we'll it, investigate this so, further. I, I just love it. You know, the doors come off. He's using. I, 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 I'm just checking. like in awe. Right. Right. And this it's continues just... through the movie. There's some great Carfu moments oh, yeah. that I'm oh, sure yeah. we'll get to. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, we we talked about the marker going through the blood oath, and we're going to Rome because that's the, I mean, that's where this movie really, like, you know, the lore gets richer. But mm-hmm. you know, him going to Rome to you know take the marker, which in this case is he's been marked to actually killed, you know, Santino's sister who is going to be escalated to the high table. Right. Um, right. So we get this introduction of the idea of the high table. Yeah. Now, cause it's because of this movie, it's almost hard to remember when you saw the first one, like there was no indication that there was anything beyond the New York continental. Right. Like you're like, right. Oh, this is a small society of, of assassins. They have this currency and there's the continental and, you know, and that's it. And then it just immediately, like, boom. 
Uh, I mean, even in the first, we talk about the car scene uh, where you see them loading up uh, those, the like cedar cherry chests. And you're like, oh, these look like the things that hold the coins. Like this yeah. is, you already start getting a concept, even just in those of like, oh, this is like bigger than, it's not just like the 20, like, most crazy assassins in New York. Like. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when Ian McShane, you know, when uh, when uh, Winston, you know, he meets John Wick and says, hey, you have to take this marker. Like, the person who mints the coins is there. And you're like, oh, yeah, somebody's making these coins. Right, right, right. Like, that's part of the thing. Somebody's actually making these, and that person exists now. So now right. we're getting that, like, oh, that's yeah, these, yep. these are great. We're putting them into circulation, which means there's so many more assassins. Now, Yes. I, I just want to ask a question. Going back to the house, the blow up, and all that, just briefly. I know, like, we have to have a movie, but there's part of me that's like, and this kind of goes to Rome too. We get to Rome, and I'm sure we'll talk about the like Batman suit up sequence that we have, or the uh, we have to because it's amazing. But there's part of me that's like, all right, he blew up the house, but like that stuff is in the foundation. Can he just go like bust down the foundation again and get all his stuff back? Like, did he need to redo everything? And there's part of me that's like, well, he survived. The dog survived. Could he just, like, rebuild his house and say, like, all right, well, you blew up my house. I'm still not going. Uh, By the way, by the way, I want to jump in. Did his house get blown up and he literally walked to New York City from Jersey? Seems like it. That was a long walk. Okay. Like, (laughs) I I feel like his, because he clearly lives in northern Jersey. I honestly think those coins are used for the path train. <laughs> That's true. A very yeah, special path train. Right. His, that gets him a sleeper car. Up and he's in like a t-shirt and like like sweatpants or something. And uh-huh. then the next scene is him and the dog walking across um, one of the I, like George Washington Bridge or something. Let's and not I'm just like. Let's not leave out that we also get a call. Another callback. We get Jimmy the cop. And though working yes, again, yeah, Mr. Wick. That was great. I love getting Jimmy again. But th- let's not get sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Did he go on. Take a cab. Did he hop a train? Did he no. bring his toothbrush? He walked. No, I think he's just like, I'm gonna walk to New. I'm Maybe gonna walk. Jimmy gave him a ride. To John the Wick walks. He walks. Yeah. yeah. John. <laughs> John. I think he just walked. Like I think he just was like, I'm really pissed. I'm just gonna walk. And like, yeah. and then like, you know, the guy at the Continental's like, well, you you fucked up. Like that. That's what I love about <laughs> that scene. Good. He's like, he's like. It's your fault. You know, your house, you're lucky. You're, you're lucky only your house got blown up. And I'm like, love that. That's a ball right. saying that to John Wick. So oh, good. Oh, we wow. get so many great scenes between Keanu and Ian McShane, um, yes. who's just, and I love that we get more of him here. And he's really mm-hmm. the vehicle they use to explain some of the world, like the rules of the world. But I like mm-hmm. that as we talked, it's not a way that it's, it's dictating it to you. Like he's the perfect guy for it. It's kind of cool. Oh yeah. I heard that like, because of this, these movies, like now Ian McShane and Keanu Reeves are like good friends. That's similar to how Keanu developed that with someone. We're definitely going to be talking about later, later Lawrence Fishburne and a similar relationship that led to his role in this movie. But like now he and him and Ian McShane have that relationship. And I'm like, Oh, that, that would be like the, could you imagine having lunch with, like Keanu and Ian McShane oh, oh my God. or better like hanging out by a fire in one of their backyards with like a scotch and a cigar or something. Oh, that's <laughs> so I'd actually fantastic. probably like wither. Cause I don't think I could stand that level of cool and awesomeness, <laughs> but man, I'd love to try. 
Yeah. Uh, and I mean, speaking of cool, I mean, when you're talking about that gear up scene in yeah, Rome. So, so he's in Rome. And so, I mean, as we're going into Rome, I mean, you know, you know, meeting, uh, uh, you know, meeting the head of the continental there, you know, uh, you know, Django himself, Django, the Franco original Nero. ninja from Enter the Ninja. Enter the Ninja. This is Franco our second Nero. I was so Nero excited movie, to see yes. him. So great Me connection too. to our Ninja November uh, uh-huh. episodes. The great Franco Nero. Who, so much fun. Oh yeah. I mean, he just goes for it every time. Just, just delightful. Yeah, um, fantastic in that role. But man, that that gear up scene with you know the the suit maker, and yes. um, you know I. I, I think it's still one of my favorite scenes in all the movies is um, I, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but a tremendous British actor who's uh, doing the, the gun up scene with the, with oh, the, the yeah, Peter Serafinowitz. Yeah. Peter Serafinowitz. He's, yeah, so, he's good. so good. And yeah. like, just like he's relishing, he's just dripping with fun. Oh yeah. yeah. And like this movie's not afraid to have a little bit of fun, which is, that's a big difference from the first one. There is right. some, particularly fun scenes, you know, the tailor is just like, so he's a little bit over the top and Serafinowicz is just, a, just dripping in fun. Like, Oh, just relishing talking about the things in light code, you know, even you John know, Wick though. He's like, uh, I'd like a tasting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. 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 It's it just playing into the Som- Somali. Right. Like, I know so you're great. a fan of the German varietals because he used yeah. all Heckler so and Gotch in the first movie. And, and I gotta say it, that was so much fun. And, but every, it's even though we get these moments of levity, it's all still leading to the next scene. Right. Like you get it, but it doesn't feel like too much. If it was just one step further, it would feel like, oh, really? We're throwing like slapstick in the middle of this? Like this was the perfect amount of fun. Right. At right. this point of the movie, which leads us to like, leads us to the big rave scene and like the thing that kicks the rest of the movie off. Oh, yeah. And just side note, we talked about that Taylor. That's actually the costume designer for the films. Mm. And is and I saw this somewhere, apparently. I have to fact check this, but I read this somewhere that it's also he's uh, is Keanu Reeves personal tailor also. I would pay him. So he was like, yeah, we got to get this guy in. So he actually knows what he's doing, that guy. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so we get that fun scene, the what I think of like James Bond Batman scene, and then we're in the catacombs, right? So we get this oh. really and it's oh, fun that we so get this good. so we get the rave, but it's in this like ancient structure, so it's this wild combination of uh, like uh, very like techno current and then ancient, right? Which is just crazy yeah. for it to be set in Rome. And we get the confrontation with Gianna. The whole the whole thing he came here for, right, was to murder her. I got to say, like, another one where short scenes, but, man, does she have presence? Just every, oh, absolutely. every moment she's on the screen, you're like, I cannot take my eyes off of her. Like, mm-hmm. she is just, like, every moment she's just so, just bringing everything the whole time. Just really something else. Yeah, and like we're we're going into these movies like you know as action fans, and that scene there's no action, and you just kind of stop and and you know pay attention. Like it's just a terrific dramatic scene there, their little kind of you know confrontation, and it's it's super like amiable. And, and here's what I love about we didn't I wanted to mention this when we did the John Wick the original movie, um, kind of like the gentleman angle of this world. Like right. obviously like yeah <laughs> like John Wick's murdering everybody, but I mean there everyone has such like 
it's like the classiest society of murderers I've ever been introduced to. Like as etiquette, there's it's just so terrific to see that kind of I don't know. Like uh, again, I'm going to overuse this word etiquette, but with with just like a, a murder a murder machine. So I, I love that angle of it. And you're just captivated the whole time. And, and her death echoes Defoe's death in the first one where she's going to go out on her own way. She's like, okay, I, I know what's going to happen, but you know, I wanted, I want to kind of, you know, pick my exit here. And, and he, he, you know, completely obliges her. It, it's so classy. Uh, and it really and is terrific. Yeah. You know what he reminded me of? Like, you guys ever seen No Country for Old Men? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Remember yeah. Shukar, that guy? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. how it seems like he's like, I take no joy in doing this kind of uh-huh. kind of attitude. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, it was kind of the same thing. Um, less sociopath. But, right. um, but John it's Wick a similar just, idea. John Wick just wishes he had as good a haircut as Anton Chigurh did in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fun side. I remember reading somewhere Javier Bardem said when like they showed them this is the haircut that they were going to give him for it he had he initially refused he's like I'm never going to get laid again once I do this <laughs> <laughs> and then he got that he then he got that hair in the, the stupid James Bond movie which is equally as bad right. <laughs> yeah so terrible um aside so the so uh the she reminded me uh she actually kind of reminded me of like you know, some of those, you know, amazing actresses who give that these big performances, like, you know, like how Monica Bellucci can kind of pull that off oh, sometime yeah, where absolutely. like, there's Another no Italian moment actress. when they're on the screen that you're trash. like, I can't not be looking at you right now just yeah, because like right. you're so Such presence. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, and it's like, it is an amazing combination of like, Oh my God, you're unbelievably attractive. But also like it's beyond that because it's just yeah. this polish and class and, just it was it's really something when you see somebody on the screen like that oh yeah you know it's like seeing that yeah i was just gonna say like and we don't have like a pre-existing knowledge of her like i i don't think i've seen her in anything else per se but it's not like oh Lawrence fishburne shows up and he kills it no this is just this actress i don't know right you know who's probably big in like italy oh uh, yeah i'm looking at all her movies all italian right right well it's funny because i remember you know talking about that presence when i first saw this movie you know a few years ago after it came out and then preparing for this is probably the is the second time I've watched it. And I remembered in the movie, I'm like, oh, she's a really big part of this movie. But then going yeah. back, like, oh, no, she's like at her as the device to, uh, you know, trigger him back, you know, the mission. But other, yeah. her scene is really, she just has the one scene, really. Like, that's it. So it, it really it makes it, an impact. But it, it is. Yeah. It's so impactful. Right. I um, mean, speaking of impactful. We get common introduced at this point, right? Right. As like, oh my god, like we've got we've got somebody who's got this stoic presence, and we get common, and then like, <laughs> oh my, it, it's it's so good. He is tremendous. Oh, he's fantastic. By the way, why isn't common an action star? Is he an action star? Because I would. He was great. Like he was great. I was like, man, so much like, fun. He was. Yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah, I thought. I thought he was probably like honestly, they could have picked. I mean, I clearly Keanu Reeves would have been the best person to pick for this. If you could go back in time and Keanu Reeves turned down the role, I think Common would have made a good John Wick. Absolutely, like, I really do. Well, I here, like, wow. so part of me almost wonders if we look at this movie. Uh, I might posit this: 
do you think that Common actually is John Wick in this movie? In that, so she, we talked about John's motivation and how it's different here. And one of the great lines she, uh, uh, Gianna asks him, she says, what would your Helen think about this? What would your Ugh. Helen think about you? So like, brutal. And kind of turns that on him, like, yeah. is this what he would want? And then he still kills her. And there's part of it. And you get the, like, the brief scene between her and Cassian, you know, where yeah. he's, like, there for her and, and walks away. And, you know, she makes that comment, like, where would I be without you? And, yeah. like, I almost, in watching it, feel like Cassian has the, like, he's kind of the John Wick role in this and that he, you know, the woman he's pledged to protect, now she's killed. Yeah. And... You know, like uh, he's the villain, and that he's opposing John Wick. But like, uh, like they have that great exchange in the courtyard. That side note, like, did, couldn't he have gone back out through the catacombs? I, I like, was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I just, I was just rewatching. I got through half of it before we started, and I was like, yeah, couldn't he have just gone through the catacombs? Right? Did he have to go through the middle of the party? But then we I wouldn't mean, have gotten that great scene where you on the job, yep. Well, I you think on to, the job, yeah. yep. I think Absolutely. to be honest, that like. Scene is key. I think, to be honest, I think I think he knew he had to do that. Right. I think he knew he had to let him know that he did it because, like, he knew he had to be punished right. for what he has done because he didn't believe in what he was doing. And it's almost like he knew, but I, I think it's an amazing point, Mike. I hadn't thought about it that way, where really Cassian is playing the John Wick side. It's just we, we love John Wick so much that right. you're like, oh, right. he's the bad guy. No, no, he's the good guy in this. Right. They, <laughs> John, he's not the... The sneering Theon Greyjoy pretty right. boy that you're like, I want right. this guy to die. No, you're just and excited. He die. Right, but, yeah. Okay, okay. Not but my we'll... science segment. This is not going to be my science <laughs> segment. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I don't know what kind of x-ray vision or surgical training John Wick has, but there is no way he could take a knife, push it into someone's chest with enough precision to be like, the knife is in your aorta <laughs> and not have the guy, even if he manages oh. to hit the aorta, the guy would die. Okay. <laughs> they, it, for those of you that don't know what an aorta is. So, so you have your heart, right? Uh -huh. And your heart basically has two circuits. One that pumps blood to the lungs <laughs> and one that pumps blood to your entire rest of your body. Right. The aorta is the pipe that starts that journey of blood to the entire rest of your body. The amount mm -hmm. of pressure in that pipe is relatively high for that reason. So if you poke <laughs> a freaking knife into it, especially right there, you're, you're going to die. It's not That's like why he, he was said, like, don't take it out. Tom. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, no. fine. Keep yeah. that pressure. Yeah, Everything no, is fine no. here. It would be, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to say side side note on Common. Uh, he lobbied to be in this movie. Like he's yes. such a fan of the first one. He wanted to get in. So he flew himself to prove to the director um, to um, L.A. where they have the 8711 team and train with those guys for weeks to yep. sort of kind of be like, yeah, I, I'm committed. I will do this. And even so much so that when um, he'd be in the movie, obviously he was cast by that point when the movie's being made, but he'd stay on the set when like Keanu, when he wasn't in the scene, but Keanu was, you know, in an action scene of his own when, when John Wick was doing action and they'd be like, common, you know, you don't have to be here. He goes, he goes, 
I'm taking notes on Keanu's or John Wick's weaknesses. And I just thought that was so great. <laughs> I love that. Like, yes. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm on set. Cause I'm, I got to know my opponent's weaknesses. I thought, that I don't was think so cool. he took many notes. <laughs> That's I gotta too. say that makes me so happy to oh, know yeah. how much he dogs. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. I read that. They said that like one of the quotes that came up a lot in the book through like uh Stahelski and uh, Jonathan Asubio, the, the stunt coordinator for this, um, and J.J. Perry, I think, was also one of the or this at one level of stunt coordinator. They all talked about, kind of raved about how much training he went through. Um, you know, the him and Keanu were basically like in there all the time training. And they threw out this this comment that they're like, "Well, the best way to make someone to train someone to look like being a badass is you should just actually make them a badass." <laughs> and they talked about like in this one, um, you know, and this, and we see some of this in. Uh, kind of where we're going with this when he gets into this incredible catacombs fight. Oh. You know, he kind of gets away from Common, it's drops so into the catacombs, finds out, nope, Santino's stabbing him in the back, and everybody wants to kill him, and he's got to fight his way out of Rome. And, uh, you know, Stahelski said, uh, you know, we put in more uh, judo and jujitsu and sambo in this. We see a lot more hand-to-hand combat. I read, uh, or J.J. Perry was... The guy, he's the one that directly trained Keanu, and I think uh, common in this. And he had talked about, like, with Judo, uh, who, side note, J.J. Perry is the stunt double for Johnny Cage in our previously discussed Mortal Kombat 1995. Oh, nice. So fun fun connection there. Um, yeah. But said that he, one of the reasons they showed Judo was, and I'm sure Dom knows and probably will talk way more about this, but there's, like, Judo-gi style. So they're like, well, in this movie, like, we can't, Jiu-Jitsu's really is based on, like, where people usually see it as all MMA, where they're like sweaty with tights on. And he's like, but judo, we want to use the judo gi style. And you can adapt that to everybody wearing suits and do those same moves with the suits on, which I thought was really cool. And they just said that for both of them, like they actually train like all the tactical stuff. They train them with like real Navy SEALs and Green Berets that they're like, well, we aren't just going to train you how to like look like this, but you're, and they said like Keanu would go through countless like, he spent like three days a week, hours at a time at the range, just shooting. Like, well, you're not like learning how to shoot for a film. You're going to learn how to really shoot and reload and all that. So when you watch this in the movie, it looks real. And anyone that knows this stuff will watch this and see like, no, this guy's legit. Like what they're doing is this is, these are real maneuvers and not like, this is just bullshit on screen. I think this is a good time for me to read off my list of moves that I recognized. I don't know Sambo. I do know Judo and I do know Jiu-Jitsu. He does some Aikido stuff in there too where he kind of spins the guy. It works. I don't really know it well. So let's start from the beginning. And I'm going to go as fast as I can with it. So the first thing he does is he causes a man to swallow his own cigarette, then punches him, and then uh, does a Sumagayesh move. Um... Katagaruma is a guy, um, and then uh, let's see, what does he do? A punch, uh, it is a punch, and then an Uchimata, an elbow to a Sumagayesh. Um, let's see, another punch to a Nipponseanagi to a Sumagayesh. By the way, Sumagayesh is one of the more impressive ones, is where you kind of swing in front of the guy and, and like hoist them up with your foot. He does that a lot in this movie. He doesn't really do it in the first movie as much. He does a Yoko Wakari to another guy, which is one of my personal favorite sacrifice throws. When he's fight, and that's all the car scene. When he fights Common, uh, Common does a Russian arm drag to Akata Garuma. He attempts an armbar, which failed. Then he gets him into Spider Guard and full mount. 
All right, and then he does, and then John Wick recovers, does a drop Sayanagi, and I believe it's a reverse Katagaruma because your head's on the other side. Um, <laughs> then he goes to New York, guard, so, and he does a guard pull to shooting, which I'd like to jump in. Um, so in jujitsu, if you've ever watched MMA, and you see one guy laying on the floor with his legs wrapped around another guy, and you're like, this seems like the least strategic position in the world. It's hot. It is not the really full guard not, full guard is, yeah full close so it's not the least strategic thing in the world if your hips are in front of your opponent's hips you are at an advantage and we refer to that as a guard okay because you have the leverage then so even if you are on the bottom if your hips are in front of the other person's hips that gives an advantage now if it goes to the ground you want to either mount which means you're on top or establish a guard and then you can start to attack Okay. Now, most, you know, MMA fights and most fights start standing and then go to the ground. So one of the jokes in, in um, jujitsu is when you pull guard. So instead of doing a proper takedown, you just grab the guy and you pull them down and throw your legs around them in a way. And we call that pulling guard. And there's like a little stereotype that that's lame. You know, like, oh, you didn't do a proper takedown. You just, you just pulled guard. Yeah, but thanks, this, he pulled, thanks, Damian Maya. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice so what i like about it, he does is he pulls guard and after he pulls guard he just shoots the guy in the head and i'm like wow it's very effective guard work <laughs> that's wow okay that that's, really that really redeemed uh, the guard pull that's for me. offense from below <laughs> so then i'm not done he does a ponce and to an arm bar to a headshot which is a great way to go about it too uh he does some random he does some random ass keto move to an omoplata which is i'm a big fan of omoplatas uh to a shot which i would do that all the time if i had a gun and wanted to kill people no. uh kataguruma by the way i say kataguruma a lot that's a fireman's carry to mount the triangle um to the headshot and then uh, what I love is he does Tsuro Komogoshi, which is a uh, a spin around kind of like over the shoulder, over the head throw to Ruby Rose, and that's the last judo move that he does. Oh yeah, so, so a yeah, more let's judo moves in this. Yeah, let's let's talk about. I mean, we we're actually going right back to where we left off in in the catacombs. Like this is an amazing gun battle, all that stuff that goes on in there, um, mm-hmm. which is hard to describe. But I mean, and it ends up. We already got introduced to Ruby Rose before, but let's talk about Ruby Rose in this. Oh, she is so cool. Remember when she was a thing? She, she had needs, a moment. She, she needs to be a thing X again because she is. Yeah, I, I don't incredible. remember. I don't remember uh, if it's she or they in this, or regardless. Oh, but she, right. yes. Good yeah, point. I it's uh, they, I, I don't them. remember Thank to you. be honest. Thank you. They. Yep. Sorry. Uh, but uh, I gotta say, in this another another person in this movie, that every moment that they're on the screen, you're like just so much presence and mm-hmm. like, just like every, every moment is like just a bit menacing. And you're like, Oh yeah. What, what are they going to do when like, when they're actually doing the battle and everything? And you're like, how is this going to go really fascinating? But every moment they're on the screen is just like intense. Right. And I, I yeah. love the sign language that's being used. Yeah. And the fact that John yeah. knows every language, including sign language, yes, which, it's amazing, sign language yeah. which makes me, it's so exciting. So, uh, yeah, we get that too, which is so much fun. Fun side thing, Kolstad said that he wanted, in his mind, and this is just like world building that the writer does that isn't even like brought up on screen, but in his mind, she isn't actually mute. She was in like shot through the throat 
and that's oh, why she can't I talk. Like that. that's so it so just cool. adds something to like, right? Like, Definitely. see how oh, that adds to her attitude. Like, it's not just that she's mute, but that she carries this. Like, now I got shot in the throat, and I still lived, and it adds to the yeah. badass. Right? She's and it, I, it, there's lots of scenes where you just see like a corner of her while she's kind of hanging out, and then she find when she gets to con- confront him in the catacombs. You know, now she gets to let it out, which is, uh, you know, one of just the first time that she lets it out, and that is friggin' awesome. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, in, in that that kind of ends our time in Rome at that point, and you know, we do get that uh, fantastically put together scene where Common and oh. Common catches back up with him. They fight, oh, go so into good. the Continental fighting, and Franco Nero comes back and is like, "Gentlemen, you know the rules," and they have their their drink together in the Continental, right? Get your gin, get your whiskey, right. your bourbon. And it's like, oh, and they, they really go after it too. And they right. were, it's so even. And you're like, oh, where, when is this going to restart? Right. Um, and yeah, that, that scene crashing into there and getting the, you know, getting the drink and they're just like, you know, they really respect each other because they've known each other for a long time. And I love those relationships. Every yes, one of them yeah. feels real. Like, yes. You know, when, when he's talking to, uh, you know, you know, before he kills, uh, before he, he kills her, you know, in the in that scene in the bath, you know, you believe the relationship and everything right. feels earned in a way, even though like it's very quick, yep. like you believe that you oh, believe yeah. that they've known each other a long time. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that scene. The scene where again, it just shows the rules of the Continental, which is great because I think it adds power to the ending of the movie that we'll talk about. But then they can have this knockdown, drag out fight, and the min- minute they're like, "Gentlemen," like, "Oh, yep, all right, let's go grab a drink and talk and respect." Right. It just adds, gives you a sense of who they are, and uh, and again, the the wider world of the Continental. Uh, yeah. So we get that, and then of course Franco helps him get back to New York. Uh, we get this another world like onion uh, layer of the onion that is revealed of this world of the high table and the assassins, we get the, the call center. I can't remember if they gave a name for it, yeah. but basically the call center that remind felt very warriors esque of like the, you know, you call this in and put this out. I like the code yeah. that they used yeah. for it. Um, and it just, it reminded me of like warriors. You're the one with, with the, the tattooed DJ librarians I and all like, that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's like a schoolboy's librarian fantasy all through that. Like <laughs> right. tattoos oh, and high buns and like. Absolutely. Hello. Absolutely. And then he gets back to New York and it's, you know, phones ringing everywhere and, of course. and well, he gets, it's like, so then we get to New York and we get this, like, that's where it kind of out of order what we get like four different fight scenes well yeah well i think the other thing is because you know at that point you know uh santino being the true dick that he is oh yeah it's like oh yeah you killed my sister what am i supposed to do i have to put a contract out on you (laughs) because he's he's the dick of dicks he's just awful Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I'd like to to jump off of that. Please do. Um, that is a that is a major difference between these two, between the first one and the second. So yeah, the Russian guy's son, Fion Get Greyjoy in the first one, he's a dick, but the guy in charge, I definitely felt a, a little shred of sympathy for him because he had to choose between his son's life and, you know, his empire and everything and. He lost it all. I felt a little bit of sympathy for him, sure. which I talk about in the last one. Yeah, Santino, 
fuck that guy. No, he's he the is, worst. He's <laughs> right. He's just terrible from start to finish. He had this whole thing planned out. He thinks he's a criminal mastermind, but he's just a prick. You know what? <laughs> he deserved a, he, he, a head. A shot in the head is too good for him. Like just ugh, awful. Yeah. He's so like, a different kind of villain, but it, I feel like a different kind of villain. A villain where I'm like, you know, where I'm just like, fucking kill this guy. I'm, I'm, yeah. He's an asshole. Yeah. I, I love yes. the rest of the respect for sure. But yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, right. And there, as you point out, like there isn't a redeeming factor here. Like he wants his sister killed because she's going to get at the high table. Right. He wants the seat. And he, right. And he won't. And there's not power like, play. Yeah, oh, she will. Right. There's play. no That's like it. justification for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you saw like, I think that when we talked about the relationship between that, we got that those hints of in the scene with Gianna. I think that helped give you an idea of why John Wick's first reaction was, no, I'm not going to do this. And he really had to be talked into it by, uh, by Winston, right. By Ian McShane, like, no, this is. You know, the, there's two unbreakable rules and, yeah. you know, no killing of the Continental and no when, you know, you fulfill the marker. Hey, and then and now that now that there's a contract out on John Wick, I mean, everybody's after him and you get you like you were saying, Mike, like you get that fun montage of him just right. fighting all the different kind of people. You got him, you know, fighting an ostensible like sumo wrestler. Oh, you've yeah, got that's great. everybody watching him. And we get to see the pencil. Uh, oh, yeah, we finally get to see some pencil. pencil killing. Speaking of yeah. fan service, like right to fan yeah. service, like you get the pencil scene. He kills the guys in a bar with the pencil. Like, all right. Uh-huh. You know what? You know what? They did the bit. I'm really happy they did the bit. Do the bit. And it's a lot great. of times when you, you like, you know, like something in a movie where it's like, um, lore, and then they actually show it eventually in a sequel. It's a letdown. This is not a letdown. It, no, it totally no. works. No. Yeah. And it's it's really fun and it's quick, yeah. but we got all of that stuff really fast. Oh yeah! And then we get, you know, um, I forget is that oh we we get the subway fight right after that, right? Is that yes. where right is that and where Cassian comes back in and we get? The, I can't remember. So yeah, we get that. Um, we get the fun scene where uh, Winston basically forces Santino to fulfill the marker to put his. So that's kind of fun to see like the other side of the marker and this is how it Being completes. Um, but right, then we get the subway scene and I can't remember, is it this subway or did they do this in Rome? There's the one scene I absolutely love where, no, that's this one. Is that up. this where common and Keanu are walking, yep. walking through the station oh, is that not common the up and they're just like, the kind of like where they're sniping at each other. Yes. Like I love that. Chest. That's so, so good. Cool. And it's slow Talk about a comedic beat. Yeah. And I love that it's slow too. Like it didn't have to be fast action for it to be suspenseful and for you to be like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Right. Right. Okay. And and kind of otherworldly again, like I was saying before, like science fiction, because this is the first time, well, maybe not the first, but one of the first times John Wick is kind of, quote unquote, in the in the real world. But but he's covered in blood. He's limping it and no one's even reacting to him. They're just walking by him like it's not a, you know, like like they're going on about their day. But and then it, the sniping thing, like obviously they're kind of like hiding their guns under their jacket. <laughs> right, and, right. But it, it's just it's I, I love this universe because I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. You know, it made me a callback to me with I didn't watch a ton, but there was a show 
um, you know, years ago, Third Watch, if you guys remember that one, it was like rings a bell. It was a set in New York and it followed like cops and firefighters and EMTs and all that. I remember there was a scene, there's a really good scene that was all centered around the Russian mob or whatever. I remember like they wanted to kill this person's son. I don't, there's a scene where this, this kid, like this teenager is walking into like Grand Central and these two like Russian hitmen walk alongside him and like they each grab an arm of his and just like pop, 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 pop. With like it's similar with like the site. It remind was a lot sim that it's in this like big crowded New York City place that like everyone recognizes or would see, and they're just like quietly like, oh, there's these two guys absolutely obliterating this guy, and uh, you know was similar to that. That it's like, oh, here's just a casual put. Which you know, uh, if you've been in New York, lived in New York, like I feel like none of this feels unbelievable. Like, oh yeah, I could totally see that <laughs> That's happen. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, yeah, then we get like, uh, like Don brought up before we get the amazing knife fight in the oh, subway, yeah. which is, oh my God, that is so much fun. That is one of the best knife fights since under siege one. Oh yeah. That that's the, what that is his, that's his yes. dessert course, right? From yeah. going back to the sommelier, the dessert is the yeah, cutlery, dessert. right? <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and so man, like, that would, that was a blast. Like it was, and it was intense too. Like this, Oh yeah. you know, this, when we're talking about like some of the brutality of the violence from the first one, this is where that came back in. Oh yeah, and like mm-hmm. they were fighting. It was close combat. It was yep. it wasn't glossy. It was quick, and it was it was harsh. And it was it was really good. Right. And we get the the funny beat in this. They're at like Stahelski part of the way that he wanted to uh, film that he said that he wanted the scenes to be like fight 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 joke, and they always have like. We mentioned there's a lot more jokes in this. There's that one moment in the scene where, like, the, what is it? The train stops and, like, everyone bolts out of there. Yeah, like, that was ah. good. Yeah. Does yeah, somebody yeah. say something like, you can go now? Or some, somebody makes a comment and they, like, everybody just bolts. And it's just, yeah. it's funny, right? In the middle of all that. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I mean, we, so we got all that badassery and then we go right into, you know, from there. Then we get to introduce to like you know a damaged John Wick, and we get to the now, Bowery King. Oh my God! You know, uh, talking about world building. Now we get, now we get that there's different tribes, right? Right. There's different tribes of assassins, and we get the intro to the Bowery King. I mean, like, how how exciting was that when the guy when he throws the coin in, and you get like, oh, you get to go to the underground now. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, the great right. guy. Like so Bow- much fun. So the Bowery King is awesome. Right. And it, but I love his like his henchman there, Earl. Is that as the guy that like kind of looks like Aaron Paul a little bit? Yeah. Um, but I, but he's yeah. just like he's a fun part of this low rent Aaron Paul. And, right, right. Well, we talked. So we mentioned uh, Lawrence Fishburne, of course, and but he's great in this as the Bowery King. And I read that it's because so Keanu has built this great friendship with Lawrence Fishburne through the Matrix. And he had said that, like, the two of them get together several times a year just to hang out and chat and stuff. And after John Wick came out, the next time that he got together with Lawrence, he's like, hey, what do you think about this movie? Would you be interested in doing another one? And, you know, Fishburne is like, yeah, send me the script. I absolutely would. And, uh, you know, and, the direct- and Colstad said, like, he wrote Bowery King for, um, for Lawrence Fishburne. So, you know, it's, they, they were all excited, got... Uh, Fishburn into this and uh, yeah it's just why like he used that connection to bring Lawrence Fishburn and then he has this great role I love that right it gives we have this whole we get this whole concept of the like high class high table 
but now there's this other side, the seedier side, but it's no less complex and, uh, you know, and no, you feel like, uh, I get the sense that, you know, he makes the right. comment of you have eyes on every corner, like also that, no, no less effective. And I think that's, that's the fun part. Like right. when we're talking about world building, like Don was talking about before, it's like, you know, it felt earned, right? Like, Oh, like, because you knew, you knew there was a key to this other side and you didn't, it wasn't handed to you. And you get those little moments of like, Oh Yeah. Like he portrays this, and then he puts on the silk jacket. Right, right. Oh, how fun is that? Oh, what what a fun scene! (laughs) Yeah. So we get. So he gives him, and then gives him. So I love one of the things we talked about in the first movie was how uh, practical he is with the fights, uh, with the gunfights. Like that, he, you know, you can count the shots before he reloads. Well, this one he's given. You have seven bullets for seven million dollars, right? And and then the takes us into this unforgettable museum fight. And you see, I mean, he goes in with a gun and seven bullets and you watch through it. He constantly has to like take somebody's gun, take their ammo. Yes, I love the. It's not just, he doesn't go in there rolling up with this, you know, full cadre of weapons that he got from the sommelier. He's got the one gun with seven bullets and he's got to make it through this entire, like you talk about video games uh, that like that felt very, uh, like a good video game that right. you have to figure out, okay, I'm only going to give you this and you've got to right. figure out how to make your way through this with, yeah, you know, you're only given this amount. Well, so. I mean, and like, like Jay, like when you see him throw the gun at somebody for the first time <laughs> in this, uh, how satisfying is it when he throws an empty gun at somebody's head and it's like part of the attack? Yes, the details uh, again is what gets me every time. Especially like you said, where okay, this gun's uh, out of bullets. I'm I'm just gonna throw it at your head and then run at you. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, right. Another thing, um, another detail because we're talking. Well, I'm talking about details. So um, when he's in the catacomb, back to the catacomb quickly. I love when he like pats his chest and you hear all the the bullets rain down uh, on the oh, ground. Oh yeah, right. It's such a great detail because of obviously, of course, my suit's bulletproof. So I, I let me get rid of these bullets quickly. I just it's right. such, and I guess they added that in post that the sound of like that was I guess Keanu just like hitting his chest to kind of get ready for a scene or whatever. And then they <laughs> they added the uh, the editor added in the the bullets hitting the the stone on the ground. And I was just like, oh, that's right. so smart. That's great. Yeah, that's great good, detail. Yes. Those kind of touches are what makes this fun. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's right. And then we get, yeah. Go and ahead, then we Jay. get into the museum scene in terms of he eventually enters this, you know, mirrored room and that's their uh, homage to uh, enter the dragon yes. at the end of Bruce Lee uh, having that, that mirrored, you know, it... oh, not and... Conan the destroyer. <laughs> oh, good call. Well, there's other, no, I think no, 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 no. It's not a good call. That movie sucks. Okay. Um, well, I think what's the I other famous one is like Lady from Shanghai or something like that is another one. But but I know uh, Keanu and Stahelski said specifically that they're because they're such big fans of Enter the Dragon, they wanted to do this specifically as an homage to Enter the Dragon. Yeah, and when we're talking about beautiful, I, I guess like all the shots of the museum, you know, from when he first meets Santino in the museum to yes. all the fight scenes, man, when we're talking about cinematic, man, those are those are beautiful. Yeah. Just every you get the grandiose scale and the huge artwork pieces, and man, yeah, that that it is a those are stunning scenes. Oh, yeah. Like they didn't need to be that beautiful, beautiful to be as good as they were. 
But man, did that really add to it? It did. Well, it was interesting. Some of the stuff in the book I mentioned that, again, that they shouldn't have killed his dog. They, uh, the editor and DP talked a lot about how, uh, you know, in like the the museum scenes, there the different museums they were in, they were very stringent on like what they could and couldn't shoot and what they could add in and whatnot. So they talked about like have. Uh, a lot of the challenge there and in the catacombs too, that are like, it's the catacombs. So a lot of the challenge was lighting, right. And getting oh, yeah. lighting for, you know, we talk about like the color, uh, the color washes of this movie. Like uh, the big part of that cinematography is so big here. So they had to like fit, they did a lot of led lighting in there to get those right tones. Yeah. And it's like, you know, every scene from there on out is lit just beautifully. Um, yeah. And yeah, going to the Hall of Mirrors, like you get these beautiful, like, you know, the neons and the brights and you get all the battles. And then we finally get to see, you know, Keanu fight, you know, Ruby Rose and that scene. And that is, that is good. Oh yeah. And like yeah. every moment of that is just, is believable too. Like, even though like, Hey, he's way bigger, way bigger than they are. Uh, but man, like you really believed that fight. It was, it was a blast. Oh Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt bad for Ruby Rose because he did not extend her the same courtesy that he did common in giving the, like, oh, just don't take this out and you'll be all right. Like, nah, yeah, she dead. Yeah. More, more, more of a, yeah, see you later. You know, right, right. Let's see you next time. <laughs> right. I, I, which I love the, you know, the signing, see you next time. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, that was that was tremendous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah because I mean, we... we we're kind of going through that quick just because it's it's hard to describe all the detail in that because right. it is it's very visual in many ways. It's gore and uh-huh. it's a scene, the mirror scene, they did a lot of that very practically that they said they did not like they would do some scenes with where they would scrub out like the camera, but a lot of it they tried as much as possible to block out and do uh you know, so that's part of the reason that it again, we always talk about how much we love practical effects and in a scene like this it, you know, it makes a ton of it makes it look smoother. Yeah, and then I mean, then we get to you. Know, we get to really the the final scene, the scenes of the movie, where you know Keanu gets to confront Santino in the New York Continental, and this is again, this is the world building stuff again. Right. This is where we get the conflict, and man, what a, what a dick! Like he's sitting there eating duck fat fries, right? Lording it over him that whole time, right. like just dripping, just dripping in douche, just every moment. Oh, yeah. He's like, "Oh yeah, I could eat a different dish every day." And then, like, Tom, it had to be satisfying watching that ending of that movie. Yeah, it it was like I I was just like it was it was bittersweet, but it was a smart kind of bittersweet because I'm like. Yeah, fuck this guy, kill him. And then I'm like, oh no. Oh no. Why, you know, you know and he's happen. like, what have you done? And I'm like, that's fair. Like, <laughs> is there any way? Like, I'm like, he's a way around it. Like, could you have poisoned his duck fat? Does that count? Like, you know, I'm like, it was satisfying to see him Does just blow his brains out. Just pop. But like, I don't know. Like, you know, back up his toilet for a few days so he has to leave. Upper deck just, him. Just like, oh, I just feel bad for John Wick. He's been through so much, you know. Like, I know, and we do get put I mean, air in his Ian shampoo. Matrain. You know where he's gonna be. You could just prank him for a long right. time until he leaves, and then take him out. It turns into a jackass John Wick collaboration. So yeah, I mean, we we get that. We do get that brief catharsis from him having you know just just straight up blown his brains out. Um, and then we get the reality of, 
hey, this is this is we know breaking the continental rules is instant death, except that Winston basically says, no, we're we're not doing it because I have deemed it not to be so. Right. Great and, scene. And we oh, see, great, great it's scene. So, good. so it's and, awesome. I love that they call back to the first movie where it's that same thing going to the Bethesda Fountain in Central Park, the oh. same way that uh, What's-Her-Face, the girl from the first one where, you know, she met her. You know, they go to the same place, and you're like, Palicky, oh. yeah. I mean, obviously now we know watching it, uh, there's multiple ones, but, like, the first time you saw that, it would have been like, you know, oh, uh, this this looks like it, or how's John going to get out of this? And I well, love well, the, the scene where Ian does the, like, you know, pause everybody. Oh, and you're like, so Oh, good. I know like Ian, you know, Winston is the man at the continental, but like when it pauses, just again, when we talk about being in New York city in a recognizable public place, something like the Bethesda fountain in daylight to be like every single person here is following your orders. Like that's a level of badass and power that like yeah. oh he's not just like the man in Continental but this guy is like the man, right? Right. So so a really fun. cool touch, but then still like giving John that the head start like it just gives us more like why we like him so much, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So Dom, you're you're getting into that because it's it is that is a weird that is a fun scene. Well, well, Mike kind of said it best. Like, I think one of the things about the John Wick movies is that John Wick seems you don't think he's going to lose. Like, come on, let's let's face it. The first movie, like, once you're a little bit into the first movie, you're like, this guy's going to bulldoze everyone. It's just how hurt is he going to be by the end of the movie? And it's like, how much are you going to convince me he's not going to bulldoze everyone before he just bulldozes everyone? Which is an action movie. That's the way action movies work. You know the good guy's going to win the whole time. But, Mm -hmm. and, and in John Wick, it's really, really obvious. You're like... You know, like it's one of the things about John Wick is like I'm I'm usually like, is it really worth is your life worth seven million dollars? It's not. Just just leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Like, <laughs> like stop it, you know. But that scene was the first scene where I'm like Oh he, he so he these guys can kill him. Like he could he would be dead right now. Yeah. Right. Like right now. And and that was the first time in two movies where I was just like, Oh, Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think yeah. that that's that moment in of itself is almost world building where you're like, oh, there is still there's still higher powers. You know, it's that mm. the high table stuff coming back out and we get the excommunicado and that now he's without services. Yep. And yeah. like and it rolls direct, you know, that rolls direct into the credits. Like this is him running and right. everybody getting the calls. Like, oh, what a, what a suspenseful way to end a movie with all the people on that road all getting calls. Like, how many assassins are there in New York City? <laughs> right. It is it's literally like 20% everybody, assassins. Everybody. And none of them know how to use silent mode on their phone. Like, <laughs> they all have flip phones. They, they all have they, flip phones. Yeah. And they've got the like, volume on. Like, like, I love that their technology is a little old. Like, like, the, uh, like the phone, the call center is right. like the plug and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I love it. It's all right. analog. <laughs> yeah. They all have flip phones. Well, let's By be the honest. Way, Lawrence hand... Fishburne was you. By the way, can we can we point out that oh, Lawrence yeah. Fishburne was was moving 
what was he moving? Was he moving like SIM cards or something? On uh, pigeons? Via yes. Pigeons. So <laughs> yep. cool. Like like they are off they are as as they are as technological as you can be off the grid. And I think that's such a cool thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere that they were inspired by that by one somebody at Colstad or uh, Stahelski or something had read something about like the, the cartels will use pigeons to like send messages and stuff like that. It that does feel a bit cartelly, doesn't it? With very, all the all the base you know, very basic stuff. And it was Yeah, that's that's how you stay off the grid. Oh man, but what what a fun ride that movie was. Oh, yeah. Like just and the end it on that, like and it's like just building. The end still building. Right. Like it there's just, no denouement. There's just this like the end is just building right into the next. There's no there's no false illusion that there's not going to be a third. Right. You know damn well there's going to be a third right. movie. Now you do. Because we're going right into it. Right. It kind of mm-hmm. reminded me, uh, more intense, but like, it reminded me of like the Dark Knight ending, right? Like, oh, now the hero oh, yeah, is being right. chased. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. it'll set it up to, oh, all right, well, we know where the next movie is going to start. Remember, um, guys, Batman's a martial artist. We, oh, we Batman will get there. We will martial get arts there. movies. We will get there. We got to do a Batman movie. But where we need to get to right now, I think, is our. Even though we got a taste before, we need an actual. We need the entree of the science segment. Science. All right. So I already told you if you stab someone in the aorta, they're probably going to die. Sorry, guys. This has um, been science segment with Tom DeMori. <laughs> Stabbing somebody in the heart generally kills them. Yes, yes. Which, by the way, is a retread of um, Flying Daggers. When oh, yes. I believe it was phrased a lot of smushy, smushy stuff. And if you stabby, stabby, the smushy, <laughs> smushy stuff tends to leak out. Right, I think that's, that's right. the way Matt put it. Uh, well, we can recap it another time. But um, this one is a request by Jay. And it is the psychology and evolutionary significance of revenge. Because let's think about it. Revenge is pretty ubiquitous. People like revenge. Mm -hmm. Like revenge is something most people and all societies somewhat have have some some components of. So Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because... There's a field of study called evolutionary psychology, which goes into the idea that the psychology of humans, a lot of the innate behaviors we have are inherited and we're selected for to help us survive. So that's the general gist of the field. And so like I've read studies about um, detection of cheaters, for example, or um, understanding of different color patterns or things like that. But there hasn't been a lot of research done on um, revenge or vengeance and why people do that and i think the reason is is because from a because of moral standpoint like people used to like say like oh people want revenge because they're just so pissed off they can't take it anymore a very simplistic hypothesis or you know it's the choice they actively make contrary to forgiveness um but these were kind of lazy um and and if you look at our societies revenge is a super common principle in 2012, they did a survey, 42%, 42, almost half of the murders that occurred in New York City were revenge-based. Wow. 
right? It is, it uh, is really something. And not to bring this down, but 61% of school shootings, not necessarily mass shootings, but any shooting involved in a school, revenge-based. 27 of all bombings are revenge-based. So the fact that this research wasn't done seems like kind of, you know, missed opportunities. You know, and it's actually come, it's an interesting conundrum, the idea of revenge. Because think about it from an animal standpoint. If you're an animal and someone hurts you, typically the animal runs away. Right. right. It's like, okay, I'm cutting my losses. I'm getting the hell out of here. Right. Or it gets its food stolen. It's like, fine, whatever. I'm just, I lost, I'm, I'm cutting my losses. Right. Revenge is antithetical to crutch, cutting your losses. Um, you compromise resources, time, food, energy, safety. Um, and also in the end, how much personal gain do you actually get? So this is sort of a very interesting evolutionary question. How would nature select for behaviors that have such low initial gain. Like, how does it work? Well, first thing they looked at was animals. Do animals seek revenge? And the answer is yes. So here's an interesting one. If a jackal steals food from a lion and eats it, the lion will go find the jackal and kill it. Oh my God! That's not necessarily eat it. Just go find it and kill it. Um, I saw a documentary about that. Uh, I think it came out in about 1993. Uh, Really? I think it was made by you know a small independent movie company. Uh, It was called. uh, starts with a D, the company. I don't remember what it is. Uh, oh, but uh, it was uh, yeah, Disney. a documentary called The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are hyenas, so you fail this test. Oh, oh, damn it. Goodbye. Oh, um, boom. And, and revenge can extend to your children, too. There are birds that, like, more hens and coots and birds like that, they have, like, nests on the ground. And Uh other chicks will go into the nest and steal food from their chicks. The mothers will actually attack the chicks that stole the food from their chicks. So they will will enact revenge on other people's kids, other people's, other birds' kids. Uh Elephant seals will do that because other pups will try to nurse off of the mother and the mother will get pissed off and hurt them (laughs) and all this stuff. Now... It's hard to know what those animals are thinking because they're so far from us. But revenge is actually shown a lot in animals, so in um, in primates, which is a little bit closer to us. So macaques will actually hurt, macaque is a type of monkey will hurt each other and get revenge on each other, and their revenge is nasty too. So if a large macaque steals food from a smaller macaque, the smaller macaque doesn't really have a lot of you know, what it's going to do. It's going to get its ass whooped if it tries to beat up the big one. So it'll actually beat up the relatives mm. of the big one that stole its food. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you're looking at humans, you should go to our closest relatives, chimps. Uh-huh. And they've done a lot of experiments with chimps. And they've done all kinds of experiments with chimps that well, take Well, I know they've away. done lots of experiments with chimps. That's, how, that's like how Planet of the Apes started, right? Absolutely. And I mean, look, they were pretty vengeful there. So like they did all these experiments where they gave chimps the ability to steal food and then like take food away from one another. And chimps will actually, they described it as sanction individuals. So what happens is their behavior is just like ours. When a chimp gets wronged by another chimp, they'll get angry. But then they'll remember the individual that made them angry 
and they will not they will deny that individual food as a form of revenge oh. right and they've shown this behavior with other types of monkeys our children they've done experiments with kids where they reward <laughs> them with stickers but they allow other kids to steal stickers from those kids and those kids and they remember little kids they remember they remember the one that took the stickers from them even afterwards and they'll deny them stickers later Sons so we're talking about yeah so sticker wow. things man so we got i don't know birds. what it's like we got, a child we got... remembering anything you may have possibly done that they didn't like and then hold on to that forever that does that's doesn't match my experience with my children at all you're just lucky they don't act like chimps and tear off your face and genitals for doing that (laughs) Uh, you know what good point (laughs) so is is revenge built into us yeah it's yeah. looking like it. It's yeah. it shows in kids. It shows in our close relatives. It shows in distant relatives. It shows in way distant relatives. And all you really need to be vengeful is to rem- is to one, have an emotional attachment to what happened to you. So have an emotional response to being wronged, and two, remember the individual that did it. And so then they're like, well, why is this selected for? Well, if you remember the individual that wronged you and the individual that wronged you is a same or similar species, that individual is going to remember you. So by you enacting revenge upon them, you are showing them or their friends or their group or even your group that you're not one to be messed with. So vengeance actually is selected for and worth the effort, energy, and risk of safety because it sends a message to other social animals that, hey, you wronged me and you paid for it. So the rest of you and you, all of you, know not to wrong me. Well, and do you know what, so, yes. do you know what, they, you know what that person might have said as they're thinking about this? And you're like, oh, what am I going to do? I think what they might say is, But now, yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm back. And it's time for revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Wonderful science segment. Dr. DeMore, the science of revenge. Jay, I hope that quenched your thirst for wanting to know. Now we know. Um, Yeah, so we, again, we've, I think, put a big bow on John Wick Chapter 2. I think the only thing left now is to look ahead to Chapter 3. We got to go there next, right, guys? Oh, I'm oh, yeah. I am so excited to watch this and I'm really excited to hear Dom's thoughts having seen it for the first time. Yes. Oh, like, yeah, this is going to be good. good. Like I I've watched it so many times and I'm excited I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the third one. And man, I mean, what what another fun time, guys. Thanks thanks so much for having me for this. This is I this is my favorite movie series and I'm really excited to talk number 3 coming up. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us, uh hosting us here in Food About Town studio, both in person and virtual, because uh, we have uh, all kinds of capabilities in this wonderful, gorgeous studio. Technology. It, it's amazing. Not as amazing as John Wick, because what is? But, uh, guys, this has been a blast. Uh, again, check out the other shows on our Lunch Door podcast network. Um, you can find us on our socials uh, at, at Punches and Popcorn. That's like Guns and Roses, as I like to say, because we are the Guns and Roses of martial arts podcasting. <laughs> uh, yeah, find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, or I guess if you want to call it X, go for it. That app. Um, 
And yeah, if you know Carfu movies that we should be paying attention to, please definitely send us a line or email us at punchesandpopcorn at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. Dom is Buckethead. <laughs> this has been a presentation of the Lunchador <laughs> Podcast Network. Bam. Ah, oh, marvelous. All right.